You're listening to the World Football Programme with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Good morning. Welcome to the World Football Programme. Another Saturday morning for two hours of football on 107.9 FM. You can listen to us on our podcast if you miss any part of the show or go to the worldfootballprogram.com.au website, which Nick Templeman has set up nicely. And yes, you should recognise that name related to a very famous footballer. Becoming even more famous, Miranda Templeman playing for the young Matildas and doing a fine job. I mean... Morning, Pete. Morning. <laughs> I don't mean to sound negative, but sitting on the bench for the young Matildas. Ah, come on, she's in but, the young Yeah, Matildas. yeah, yeah, part of the squad and over there in Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah, first game was an absolute cracker. Loving the quality and the movement of the squad. And uh, as Tracy Wheeler commented on our page during the week, there's some players there that you'd like to see in the Matildas squad. They look ready. Yes, and uh, Tracy Wheeler also commented that Costa Rica was sort of the players were flopping around a bit and and, <laughs> roll. and and I very nearly replied with the comment that, hey, if we're the team in the lead, the opposition can do that as much as they want. Yep. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening in. This is Penn and Pete for the next two hours. A big lineup of guests, including Tom Dorman, Football West match reporter on our local competitions, Teo Pelazeri from Paramount Plus. He's a match commentator there on national teams and A-League conversations. Matt Stacey, whom you will know well from around the grounds and is a self-confessed number one Perth Glory fan. He's the big dude that wears purple and you can't miss him anywhere. Yep. Uh, Liz Anton, MGP from Perth Glory, third season coming up, and New Zealand, New Zealand international Kerry Harris, the chair of Women On Side, and uh, impetus and women's football creator Ben Gilby, who is in Perth at the moment, so we'll catch up with him 
Yes, a full show. Thank you, everyone, for becoming a member of the show. You can contact the station on 94942100 or during the week on their email and become a member. That helps us stay on air because we are a community station. And a very big thank you to all of our sponsors and partners, WA Futsal, Futsal WA now, mm. Greg Farrell and the team there. Thank you, everyone. They pretty much dominate uh, futsal competitions north of the river and produce some pretty fine players through their coaching and futsal competitions and programs. And uh, Greg also coaches at Subiaco, so you see him around there mm. doing a fine job there too. Uh, Gate and Fence Hardware WA. If you are renovating any of your gates or you've damaged any of your gates, oh my God, there's some of that happening with the slippy, slidey roads in this store yep. and people backing into gates and requiring keys for gate automation, etc., etc. And Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron, if you need the gate repaired. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to go to a break and we are going to come back and talk more football with Tommy Dolman. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Programme. 107.9 FM, your local station. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Pete here on 107.9 FM Radio Fremantle. Thanks for joining us. On the line right now is Tommy Dolman. The voice you will hear if you go to many of the local NPL games. Good morning, Tom. Morning, honey. How are you? Super duper, actually. I've got to brag a bit because (laughs) COVID has absolutely ripped through my family and workplace in the last couple of months and I seem to be immune to everything. You've jinxed it now. No, it's not possible. I mean, the amount of times that I've said that just in the last week or so, I'm like, I'm just waiting for this to happen, but no. Blood is gold. (laughs) Nice one. I'm feeling good, Tom, so I'm feeling really good. (laughs) Um, And also, I do have to do another little brag, Tom, and you might like this one, is that I was thinking of all the goalkeepers that have come through Mum FC, right? And I was thinking... We've got Miranda Templeman who's come through the junior ranks yep. now is with the young Matildas. There's Tracy Wheeler, Matildas, who's our goalkeeper coach. Um, there is uh, Caitlin Mohan, who's now playing uh, WA State team, mm-hmm. juniors. Um, myself, I've played for Australia, but WA futsal, like futsal goalkeeper. Who else did I miss? You've missed one from oh, the men's. Vince Matassa. Vince Matassa, there you go. So a uh, bit the... Uh, kind of unbalanced there with the female side of things, yep. but uh, I think there might be one more too. Oh, um, Zara Board. 
uh, Junior Matildas, who's now playing at Subiaco. So there you go, Tom. How's that for stats? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not, not bad, is it? Not a bad record for the goalkeepers there. So, um, yeah, you'd be, uh, you'd be referring to, to obviously Zara and, and obviously George as well, who were part of the um, Junior Matildas team, obviously, who had that success last week yes. um, away in Indonesia. Yeah, the under eighteen uh, women's championship. So yep. yeah, congratulations to them, and um, and yeah, they're actually coming up against each other this weekend. So that should be quite interesting. The NPLWA women's competition. I'll be down there doing that one tomorrow. Yep, yep, mm. absolutely. Yeah, the NPL um, is coming towards the business end of the season. Although with Perth Red Stars having taken out the league, they've had a magnificent season, Tom. They are, and I think we, I think we're starting to maybe sleep on it a little bit because they did wrap up the league maybe maybe a week or two ago now. Yep. Mm. But what, what Carlos Vega-Mena has done there has been um, fantastic, really. Not just this season as well. If you remember last year, they pushed um, that really good Murdoch University Melbourne side all the way to the final day as well, and then they've lost that, that thrilling game um, over at the best team stadium by three goals too. And, um, and, yeah, it was just a really good night, that one. There was a really good crowd in the house, and, um, and yeah, they just fell short. So... They've been delivering results and um, and performances for two years in a row, really. They didn't quite get the rewards they deserved last season, but they're really making up for it this year round. And um, at this stage, it's going to be hard to see who stops them, at least in the league anyway. I know the top four cups can be a little bit different, and we might come on to those other teams in a little bit because first starting to show some signs. Yeah, um, Mum FC, like you say, they were, they were you know, pretty much out there on top the last two years. But uh, they're fourth in the table at the moment. They've had a big turnover of uh, their squad with an exodus over East and to other teams. A lot of young players have come through and mm-hmm. they've done well to get themselves into the fourth position. Um, 49 points with Red Stars, then 33 with Perth, Fremantle on 28 and Mum FC on 27, NTC on 26. So it's pretty tight for the third, fourth and fifth spot. spots there. And a, in my opinion, a big plus for having finals as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Tom, moving over to the men's competition. Now, by the way, the match of the round for the women's, there has to be Perth SC and Perth Red Stars. There's a lot of um, Perth Perth names in the team. I was going through the yeah. NPL men's and there's Perth Red Stars, Perth Soccer Club, Perth Glory. I'm like, Phew, there's a, a few Perths there. So it's a, a good reason to say their whole name in full. Um, if you want to find out all the fixtures, go to footballwest.com.au and just do your check-ins there with all the game times, etc. Uh, moving across to the NPL, Tom, how's that looking for the men's? It's really exciting, actually, going into the, first, going into the final three rounds of the season. The top three teams are separated by just one point. Yeah. So I, think, I believe you've got Florida Cena on 40 points. You've got Perth, Red Star and Sterling, Macedonia, both on 39. And in amongst all of that, Florida have to play Sterling, Macedonia next week. So it's mm. um, shaping to be a really thrilling end of the season. And I think... I think every team will probably fancy their chances of, of going on to win the title still. It's just been one of those times of seasons where it's a bit of a cliche, but there is no easy game. But it, it, it feels like it's more so like that this year because every team has, has shown, um, whether, whether you're sort of looking at it maybe from the top of the league all the way down to the bottom, that they are capable on their day of, of, of delivering results. Mm. Yep. What are you seeing as the fixtures that we should keep an eye on for this weekend? Um, well, the game I'm at today is probably a good starting point. Florida Fina versus uh, Sorrento. Florida obviously trying to stave off two teams below them. Obviously, if Florida win three games from three, they're going to win the league title for the first time since 2007, which is um, a bit of a surprise, actually, considering all the cup accolades 
average in the Australia Cup. Mm. Um, but that's easier said than done, as I mentioned before, because you've got Perth Red Star playing Glory tonight, and Sterling are also playing Inglewood too. So um, you would think on paper that, that Red Star and uh, Sterling Macedonia would win those games. Um, Sorrento have had back-to-back wins, though, so maybe not an easy challenge for Vasquez's team. And Sorrento have obviously got plenty to play for as well because they've had their two wins in a row um, against Inglewood and the Glory men. They're right back in the thick of the top four race again after a little bit of a wobble um, two or three weeks ago. So um, they've, they're two points behind Bayswater in fifth. So Bayswater are fourth, uh, yep. still are two points behind them in fifth. But Sorrento do have a game in hand. So, yeah, it's, it, it's, um, it's one of those situations where there's, there's games that mean so much at the top and um, in, in with the Florida-Sorento game today, I'd say there's also permutations on that top four as well. Yeah, just the three rounds left and finals. How's it going for catch-up games and postponed fixtures and things like that, Tom? Is everything on track with the men's side of things to finish as it should before all the finals start? Yeah, well, it, it seems that way, yeah. So there's only one catch-up game that's left to play, and that's uh, Sorrento versus Inglewood. And that's a meeting between fifth and sixth. And I believe that one is uh, scheduled in between round 21 and 22. So uh, not this midweek, but midweek after. Yep. And sitting on top with the stats there is um, Dean Nicholl from the Red Stars on 24 goals over Sinclair from Perth Soccer Club with 15. And on the women's side of thing, Larissa Walsh for the Red Stars has uh, scored 18 goals and Sarah Carroll is on 12, 12 from the Red Stars. Larissa Walsh has had an amazing season for the Perth Red Stars. She has, yeah. She's um, she, she's a player that just um, improved so much over the past sort of few seasons that I've been sort of um, obviously um, doing the women's competitions and, and sort of doing the broad, uh, the commentaries on them. Um, I, I did remember actually speaking for about two or three seasons ago for one of my interviews that I did for Football West for the uh, for previews, and and she did tell me that um, she spent a lot of her preseason working on her finishing. And, um, and and you're sort of starting to well, you've definitely seen the rewards of that because uh, she was the joint uh, Golden Boot uh, winner last season with Tia Stonehill, I believe, and uh, and obviously this season she's um, she's out in front at the moment on the scoring charts and uh, unlikely to be caught, I would say, with uh, with with the uh, with the three rounds left to play. Yeah, that's got to be stamping a little bit of uh, an impression in the community here and maybe Alexi Pakis from Perth Glory might be thinking, hmm, <laughs> local leagues, there's a top goal scorer there, might have to consider. There's a few spots open in the Perth Glory squad, I think. Yep. Hmm. Um, just out of the 18, uh, 18 goals that Larissa scored, that's over uh, 18 rounds so far, so averaging one per oh, A late, lazy goal around, yeah. Yeah, not bad. Um, I was having a look at... Um, Benzema's uh, goal-scoring tally, I think he's second to Ronaldo at Real Madrid at the moment. And someone made the comment that if Ronaldo hadn't played for Real Madrid for so long, then Benzema would have scored a bucket load more goals because he was a bit of a dog's body (laughs) providing all the work for Ronaldo. Mm. Interesting comment. Um, Yeah, and uh, Dean Nicol has scored 24 goals in the uh, 19 rounds for the men's there. Tom, I, I did note too that um, the young teams are being selected now for the national championship. So that's happening in September. There's the 14s and 16s boys. There's two Perth Glory teams that are going away, um, not necessarily to represent Western Australia, but they're going to compete in the championships. Have you ever heard of that before? Uh, that's, that's the first time. In, ter- in terms of actual two Perth Glory teams going, that's the first that I've, I've sort of 
um, heard of that. Yeah, um, I think I've read that right. So the, the junior championships or the youth championships, they go away to um, New South Wales every year. It hasn't happened for a few years because of COVID, so they've done all their trials for the 14s and 16s girls and boys groups, and then they had the lists up over the last week, and I looked at them and thought, oh, there's two Perth Glory teams going to compete in those championships. Did I read that right? Mm. So, interesting. So it's for national identification. So, you know, the kids that, you know, get that platform, there's the national coaches there and they have a look at all the players and select them for the, the junior national teams, ID camps and so forth. You could make the argument that the more West Australian youth that gets the opportunity to get identified, the better. Mm. You could also make the argument that it's not Perth Glory's responsibility, but mm, I don't know. Go either way. Maybe it's something we don't know there. And, of course, the Junior Cup finals are coming up. Uh, the boys are coming up in August and the girls' Cup finals day is coming up on 3rd of September. There's still lots to happen at the end of the season. Yes. Mm. Um, if we go just quickly take a look down at the State League First Division, uh, Tommy, Mandurah City have made a signing. <laughs> they have, yeah. They've brought in a former Celtic striker, Lee Griffith. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting um, signing and one which definitely caught, um, uh, well, it certainly caught many of the uh, many of the football holders in WA off guard. Yeah. Um, I, I believe he... Um, I believe he um, knows the current head coach of, of Mandurah City, John Baird. Um, obviously, well, John, John John's uh, obviously Scottish, so um, I believe they, they know each other from their time there. And, uh, yeah, it was just an opportunity <laughs> to, to perhaps bring a little bit of star power out to Mandurah City, and that's going to be something which um, I believe it's only two uh, home games yeah. uh, to finish the season. But, um, yeah, I suppose it just, it's just something that's going to add a little bit of star power. It's, it's, uh, it's hopefully going to bring in a couple of extra, uh, uh, it's going to hopefully bring in a few more supporters in general for, uh, for those games uh, down at Mandurah. Yes. Um, it's just for a short period, isn't it? it? Yeah, just for the end of the season, for the last couple of games. But honestly, when I saw it on social media, I was, I, I, did, I, was, I had to check if it was April Fool's Day, and then I'm thinking, is it just another player with the same name, and they're sort of, you know, taking the Mickey a bit? And, and I, I know, right? So it's kind of like on his way because he's going to play over East, isn't he? So he's kind know. of like so he's, moving through. And he's, he's signed for Mandra is all I know yeah. for, for the last couple of games. So whether he where he plays in 2023 is another question. Well, if it adds some value, that's what we'd like. If yep. you like a, a bit of positive pub publicity out in the community, Tom, for football, we'd like that, wouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting signing. And, and, and like Pete says, it's, it's for those two games. So, um, I mean, it's a signing that's not really going to affect the uh, shake-up of the league as such. Um, cause, because Mandurah, I, think, I believe they're fourth at the moment and they're quite some distance off the top of the table. Um I'm not 100% sure as to whether the State Leagues are playing a top four cup this year, but that, that maybe would be something to keep an eye on um, going yep. forward if they are and, and, and whether um, and whether um, uh, Mandurah is sort of going to a postseason competition and whether and whether Griffiths would be still available because they're actually the top scorers in the league uh, this season already. Yep. Um, and that was prior to score, and that was prior to um, adding Griffiths into their ranks. So, um yeah, they, they, they've, they've shown already through through the likes of Joe O'Brien and through Craig Barker and uh, Hamish Van Beek and the likes that they're uh, they're not shy of a goal already. And uh, Griffith's only going to add to that firepower for the final couple of games of the season. Tom, before we let you go, just uh, an observation from yourself. How are we going with attendance at games like bums on seats watching NPL and State League? What's your observations there? Um, well, I mean, it, I think it's... It's mixed. It depends on, on, on where you go. Obviously, I, I only get to go to 
Um, uh, well, I, I only usually go to obviously the one game in terms of the three pm slot on a Saturday afternoon, so it's hard for me to sort of judge um, across the whole grounds in general. But I mean, I mean that broadly speaking, that they're, they're relatively uh, well attended. Um, maybe, maybe not as much as. Um, we have seen previously, and potentially part of that's obviously down to obviously still semi coming out of the COVID landscape at the moment, yep. mm. um, and, and this and that. So, yeah, perhaps um, perhaps we'd like to see a few more people um, coming into the grounds and, and things like that on a lot on, on the local front. But um, obviously, we're still sort of coming out of this post-COVID world a little bit, so maybe worth holding fire on that until um, mm. uh, next season. Do you get much feedback about the live streaming and the amount of people tuning into that um, versus maybe coming down to watch in situ? Uh, I don't personally. Um, that, that's probably something you'd have to put to, to, to Football West mm. um, in, ter- in terms of the numbers they get. But yeah, I, mean, I understand that the, uh, the live streams are pretty well responded to and, um, and, and a lot of people tune into MPL.TV um, and, and it's obviously a... Um, it's a good platform. Obviously, you can get access to all of the MPL competitions, yeah. um, the men's and the women's uh, across Australia. So I think that's a positive sign to have that all under one umbrella um, and then you can go and catch all your MPL actions sort of in, in one space. Um, obviously, it's, it's a fairly new addition this season. Um, so, so obviously, I don't know how long that's going to stay under that umbrella per se, but obviously, as, as familiarity grows, um, then I think... Um, I think mm-hmm. it's been a good mix, personally. I like seeing uh, the. Uh, I like having the option of having uh, a streaming service there where I can log in if I don't get to a game or if I um, don't get to watch the whole game, as in I can't get there for the whole game because I might have my own commitments or whatever, and then I can watch it on streaming. I think that mix has been quite nice. It hasn't stopped me going mm. to games, um, so I haven't completely watched streaming or I haven't completely gone to games. So I, I like having that option. I think that's that's great for the community that we can promote that. Yep then does provide a really wide exposure platform. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. I do appreciate it. Um, have a great soccer weekend and uh, or football weekend, and I hope you avoid the rain wherever you go. Yeah, I'm not confident on that. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but, uh, but yeah, I think I'm going to have to wear a jacket and uh, possibly even take an umbrella today as well. Definitely. Yeah, uh, oh, well, hope the media boxes are kind to you, Tom. I ho- hope they've got a roof. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Uh, that, that might not be uh, Mum FC. I hope that's not on your yeah. Yeah, agenda there. We're working on that one. Thanks, Tom. Okay, guys. Have See a good ya. weekend. Thanks, Tom. That was Tommy Dolman, match reporter for the local Football West competitions. Yes, um, Mum FC is still working on a few things down at their stadium. Certainly got a bit of space and for the football to happen and people to watch it. Yep. Canteen and change rooms and so forth. But uh, as far as... Yeah, media box and a bit of cover around the grounds. Yeah, that's stage two. Well, you need to get yourself up into the NPL first, and, I think. That's, and I mean, we do, yeah. yes. oh, Sorry, the men's NPL. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, where are we sitting at the moment in the state league? So in the in the men's? Yeah. Uh, so you're sitting fifth place. Oh, sorry, Mum FC is sitting fifth mm-hmm. place, just behind Mandra City, who have signed a Scotland and Celtic striker. Mm-hmm. Which, again, like I said, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, I, I felt like I was missing a joke somewhere, like, you know, I'd a different guy with the same name. Well, we might miss it if he is on his way somewhere else. Well, he's, uh, as, uh, as uh, Tommy said, they've got Mantra's got two home games um, and he's apparently playing in both of the home games. So if you're down in the Mantra way or if you're a Celtic fan and feel like a bit of a road trip on a Saturday, 
Uh, head down to uh, Dolphin Stadiums, the name in my head. I'm not I sure what about. they call the stadium these yeah. days. Okay. The one but just off the main road. Head down to Mandra. Bit yeah. of a road trip. Nice nice drive on a Saturday afternoon when it's maybe... That's not down with covered on the NPL TV, is it? That no, no. None of the... No, because that's uh, First league. Division. Yeah. That's a shame. Maybe someone like the club might record that one and put a bit of a highlights package out. That would help them along the way. Yep. Get a few fans and whatnot. This is Pen and Pete, and we are going to go to a break and come back and have a chat to Teo Pelizzeri. Thank you for listening in. Stay tuned. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport at all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies, and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. Radio Fremantle wishes to advise that the views and comments aired on this program may not be those expressed by the board and management of 6CCR Radio Fremantle. Welcome back to the World Football Program on 107.9 FM and that CCR bit is the actual station modulation frequency something or other. So it is us that was relevant to us. <laughs> Thank you for listening in. We've got Teo Palazzeri from Paramount. He's a football commentator and we have chatted to Teo many times over the past, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years, maybe even ten years, Teo. Thank you for joining us today. No, great to be back. And, yeah, it probably is uh, 2011, I reckon, maybe 2012. Mm. Uh, so, uh, hey, it's, uh, it's a credit to you and the show. 
Yeah, thanks for being part of the journey and it's great to see you at the dizzy heights where you are now. You've grown in what you've been doing and you're catching some pretty amazing games. Well done. Yeah, the, the dizzy heights of driving from one of my freelance casual jobs to another one, <laughs> neither of which are commentating for Paramount. <laughs> but, uh, yes, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to lift the curtain too high. But, uh, no, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's still a very busy time, especially now that I'm living in Sydney rather than uh, my beloved Melbourne. Yes, you've certainly done a lot of work in the, the Melbourne area, but, uh, yeah, you deserve what you've got to. You've got a great voice, and that's how you catch the games, of course. Um, I remember this same conversation with Simon Hill, so we catch him doing exactly what you do, mm. driving between games and having those conversations and in the airport. So Ten minutes before I have to get on the plane, Pen, uh, I've got to go now, see ya. Uh, mm. So, you know, you can look forward to all of that too, Teo. <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, uh, it's funny you mention that because uh, not last week, the week before, I actually flew for only the second time since the pandemic and the first time for a football broadcast to go back to Melbourne for an Australia Cup tie. So they have been few and far between. The landscape has definitely changed, but uh, it it also means that, uh, you know, we have to innovate, we have to do differently, and I suspect that, uh, you know, hopefully it will continue to go from strength strength to the point where it'll be commentators at venues 100% of the time into the future. Yeah, and that's it. And we don't realise that with the technology that you could be commentating a game somewhere in the world, but you could be here at home. Well, it's, it's true, but it's also true of a lot of football around the world. I mean, just this morning, uh, La Liga started on Optus Sport, which is uh, the job you've called me driving from. Uh, <laughs> and, and their studio, we were actually trying to work it out. It's in Barcelona. And the game this morning was in Osasuna. So I think that, you know, sometimes you, you can uh, immerse the viewer in the experience to make it a guessing game and seamless. Some sports aren't so lucky. Cricket is probably the number one sport where if the ball goes high in the air and the cameras don't show the fieldsman running around to the ball, the commentator's got no idea. And they are absolutely <laughs> at the mercy. And then it goes for six or it's caught in the outfield and they're the last ones to find out. But everyone in the venue knows exactly what's happening. So perhaps uh, we can be grateful with football that we don't have those sort of problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good to be able to talk about stuff like that. It gives character. Good one. So there's a lot happening in football at the moment that's um, getting towards the end of the, the local seasons, but we're looking forward to a World Cup and the World Cup, what is this with the day? The, uh, oh, I saw something the, that they, they rescheduled something. It the, seems a bit late to be rescheduling thing. I did see something on about a What's a the date go change. with that, Teo? Tell us why they've brought the World Cup date forward by a day. Yeah, so Qatar were actually playing the third game of the opening day, which was going to be on their Monday or our Tuesday. Yeah. And now it's being brought forward so that they can play the tournament opener. Uh, the general consensus from the English-speaking media, at least, is because they drew Ecuador in that opening game. And had they drawn a bigger, perhaps more politically powerful nation, it may not have been as easy to just go and tap FIFA on the shoulder and say, hey, quick favour. Uh, you know, I think the, the whole idea was Qatar wanted an opening ceremony, fireworks, uh, fireworks display, and they wanted it to be at night. And in order to do that, they had to play the third game of the opening day of the tournament. But now they just want to move forward to the day before. Can you imagine that? I mean, not that we ever would have drawn Qatar because they're an uh, AFC confederation team, same as us. But can you imagine the heartache if it was us in Ecuador's position 
and everyone's got their flights booked, their exorbitant yeah. accommodation booked, and then it's all redundant because the game is the day before they arrive. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's very unfortunate for any Ecuadorian fans who've already booked their travel to Qatar, and I just hope that uh, they get some relief rebooking and, and they're able to actually attend the game a day earlier. But I guess the number of travelling fans is going to be a fascinating thing to track through the course of this tournament. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a lot like South Africa, which I went to, where it, it was, I think, for a lot of the nations, really hard to find fans of those particular teams that were playing in the game. This is a bit like COVID management, though, over the past three years, is that you have a backup plan and you have insurance. But normally the backup plan is if things get delayed, not if things get moved yeah. forward. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's a bit... That's, that said, I believe it, it is a tradition for the host to have the opening game of the World Cup. So... It, yeah, but not, 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 that long a, not that long a tradition, because the tradition used to be that the defending champions... Oh, you're right, actually. Sorry, yes. And, yeah. yeah, and they would get to host the opening game of the tournament. So... This only started in 2006, and, you know, like any tradition, it's all flexible based on what sort of commercial opportunity might be available, <laughs> and we're moving we're moving to a 48-team World Cup for the next one, seemingly, So, mm. uh, and it's also going to be hosted by three different countries. So by default, uh, one of Canada, the United States, and Mexico won't be playing in the opening game of the tournament, yep. and I think Australia and New Zealand with the Women's World Cup will experience exactly the same thing in about eight months' time. Yep. Yeah. It, it is interesting, the the commercial globalisation branding in the last few years that's come out of COVID and just the amount of money, merchandising, travel, exposure, everything, women's football and men's football, and I think of the World Cup as, it, for a player, it must be the penultimate experience because you're pitting yourself with your teammates against the best in another country, but there's also a lot of other competitions now, now I feel, that are becoming branded as very significant on global scales like the Euro Leagues and so forth. And, and the women, Teo, thinking of the... European Champions League for the women and mm. how the broadcasting of that, the numbers hit amazing heights. Yep. And I think the Women's World Cup is going to do the same thing and probably the Men's World Cup will oh, as, yeah. as well. Um, and that just brings such amazing exposure for the sport. Yeah, I, I think that the most recent Euros, though, pushing it back a year, the Men's Euros, that is, pushing it back a year, having it in England, uh, I think the, the tournament, you can see where it was hit and miss. You know, Scotland, England, they had great crowds. They had the games in Azerbaijan. They did not do well in terms of crowds. The locals clearly didn't respond to it. Maybe the ticket prices were a bit too high and, and actually priced out the possibility of sold-out stadiums. So I think that, that this World Cup is, is going to be a real test for men's football because if the stadiums are too big and if there aren't enough locals to fill them and if there aren't enough tourists to fill them, it is going to leave us with a, a bit of a a bitter taste in our mouth about international men's football. But then, by contrast, the women's Euros shattered every crowd record available. And I think it's still the pinnacle of that sport. You know, I I don't think the club versus country tug of war is anywhere near as significant in women's football as it is in men's. But as you say, as the money gets better and better, maybe it will start to suffer some of the same problems that men's football does. So the young Matildas, the junior Matildas and the young Matildas have... Uh, pretty much outdone themselves so far in competitions in the last few months. 
in terms of they've done well competitively, they seem to be playing well, they're getting a lot of exposure. This is very good for Australia moving to a Women's World Cup and it, and it looks like that the players coming through are capable and competent and strong enough that they could be considered to play in the Matildas squad and that just seeing that makes me feel good about the future of women's football. Do you agree with that? Uh, it's funny because I think the prevailing narrative after every time the senior Matildas play is the system has let them down and there's all sorts of stru- structural problems within the game. And then our youth teams go and play and we actually say, oh, wait a minute, maybe it's just selection and implementation that's the problem and not the actual level of the talent coming through. I mean, with that said, Penn, let's not get carried away because uh, the Costa Rica team that the young Matildas beat 3-1 on, I think, Wednesday... Mm-hmm didn't look like the most technical or physical uh, team going around. And we've got big tests against Spain and Brazil. Yes. Uh, sorry, yeah. yeah, Spain and Brazil coming up. And if we get out of our group, then we can get like genuinely excited about this young Matilda team. With <laughs> yeah, that absolutely. Said, prior, prior, prior to the tournament, I thought that there were maybe three players who were a semi-realistic chance in the case of injuries or just a great A-League women's season that could still make the Matildas in time for 2023. But one thing I'm really big on is the 2023 Women's World Cup isn't the grand finale of women's football for this country. The next game will still be worth three points, Mm. you know? The next cap will still mean the world to the player who gets called up. Yes, you want to play in a home World Cup, but it, it, it isn't actually a full stop on the game. It is just one of many tournaments along the road. So I, I do sometimes feel as though we've, we've looked at the Women's World Cup as some sort of uh, end point for the game as opposed to just a continuation of an ongoing process. And, and that's my way of saying we absolutely should try to win the Home World Cup and we should try to perform as well as we can. But by the same token, not every player needs to sort of... How do I say this? treated as though if they don't play in this World Cup that they've missed out on, on the only great opportunity they'll get in their career. They will keep happening and they will keep coming. Yeah. And you, you can't be impatient, uh, especially when we're talking about players in these ages. I suppose that comes back to my comment earlier about the World Cup is probably the pinnacle for any player to want to be a part of, but there's so many other international competitions that uh, have exposure and there are the opportunities out there that they can be involved with. Plus, also, uh, professional football now is such a, a, a global beast. We have so many of our Socceroos and our Matildas playing in international competitions, and maybe we'd like more of them. I think there's probably more Matildas playing in the WSL in England than maybe um, Socceroos are playing there. But uh, no, this is you know, all about opportunity. Now, uh, Teo, let's talk about the A-League. So... Um, we saw Perth Glory play in a pre-season friendly, and we'll talk about that a bit uh, later on with another guest. But um, it's the pre-season for the A-League. It's a, a, I feel it's a little bit quiet. I'd like to see some marquees that are phenomenal hitting the A-League season so that we all sign up. So what can you tell us that's going to excite us? Uh, I don't know. Does the prospect of Alexander Pato excite you? I mean, he's been, he's been pretty washed for a while. Uh, that's the, the latest big truly big name I heard, rumoured for a marquee. I mean, uh, I I always thought it was potentially a risky strategy to put the flag in the ground and saying, 
uh, as Danny Townsend did, to quote him directly, we want the sugar hit of Marquis coming in. Melbourne Victory signing Natty is fantastic. Yes. Yep. But Melbourne, Melbourne Victory fans are probably arguing they're the one fan base that doesn't need a marquee to get them coming back. All they need to do is win. Yep. It's the teams that win and can't draw a crowd that need a marquee. And on that front, we're not seeing any movement. Uh, for the record, apparently Tony Sage has hinted or indicated that Uh-oh. the glory is looking at signing an Italian attacking midfielder, but nothing nothing more. That came out you yesterday. You rumour-monger, so. you. They, they, uh, well, no, I have, a, I have a name I can suggest to you. There we go. Um, it's not... Uh, if you've heard of him, you're doing better than me. <laughs> one second, I'm just flicking through one of my many secret group chats here. <laughs> for the, the we uh, okay. Uh, Davide Petrucci, 30 years old, currently playing for Hapwell Bear Shiva in the Israeli League. Okay. That, that's the rumour, fellas. So if it's Davide Petrucci, you can say that I was on the money. All right. Mm. So, yeah, I've got his stats here. He's, uh, he was a youth player at Manchester United, and um, yeah, he's made appearances for the Italian youth level, uh, uh, teams at youth level. But, yeah, since then he's now at uh, playing in Israel. I don't know if the glory... I guess the, the issue is, the issue is there's, there's paying someone marquee money yeah. and hoping that they turn into a best art barisha yep. and becomes a household name as, on the back of their performances. Mm. And then there are marquees who are names when they arrive and that is where their value is derived from. Yeah, and just just for the record... And he's very much the former. He's the former rather than the latter. Yeah, uh, just for the record, as Glory fans, we're still bitter about Bessart Barisha, so you would have been better off saying <laughs> Diego Castro to us than Bessart Barisha, because um, we're still bitter about that grand final 10 years ago. Or at least I am. No, look, fair enough. Fair enough, too. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I know exactly what... I mean, I'd, I'd never heard of Diego Castro before he came to the Glory, and but he certainly was worth his... Uh, yeah money uh, that he that he got from the glory and there's also plenty of examples of marquee players not just at the glory but um certainly there were a few at the glory uh who weren't worth the money or hype that they got yeah absolutely so why do you think fans are going to sign up to the a-league or, or do we have to ask that question in about four weeks time hang on when does the first fixture start it's in october isn't it so we've got about a month, six a six weeks before the first six year, yeah. a fixture approximately. So well, no, you, we've got a bit of work to do to create some more excitement, right? Well, no, but you've just landed on it. The fixture is set, and last season we had more than a hundred games moved due to COVID. Yes, and this fingers crossed, yep. we're not. And I think being able to put dates in your calendar and mark them out in advance, and allow clubs to market and promote, and and do it early is going to make a noticeable difference to the hardcore fans that mm-hmm. know the team exists already. And then that's just going to help the spectacle. When you turn the TV on, when you see highlights in your social media feed, if you have people come along for the first time to have a look, what you don't want is the sad, sorry experience of 2,000 Wanderers fans at Combank Stadium, which is what we were getting last season. You want it to be 10,000 plus. Yep. And, and that's, that's going to be the draw. I, last time I was on, we were talking about how the spectacle of Active fans, the colour, the noise, singing, the atmosphere is the unique selling point of the A-League men's competition. And I think it's, it's just about removing the obstacles that, that stop that from returning. And the, the moving fixture and the midweek games and teams playing at neutral venues, Perth Glory playing in New South Wales and Wellington Phoenix playing in Wollongong, those were the things that were driving down the, the crowds and ultimately made it a difficult league to follow. 
and mm. I just think a bit of normalcy and stability will help. And then, and then the extra layer of it is, I just think that, you know, you need to sell the optimism, regardless of whether you have a marquee name in to, to make a splash. It, the onus is on the club, given that the clubs now run the league uh, as an independent model and, and their commissioner and, and their leadership is appointed by them collectively. They also have the responsibility to <clears throat> do their marketing, to yeah. be able to create their own stories, generate their own hype. But I think it's something that Adelaide United does particularly well into their own market. I mean, Adelaide United take players that do not have high profiles in world football or even the Australian game, but they do well to try and create the fishbowl mentality that's replicated in the AFL in Adelaide and turn them into local celebrities. And I, I think that is something that a city like Perth also has the opportunity to do. Yeah. Very difficult, I know, when you've got the Wildcats and the Eagles and the Dockers and you know, even in uh, the Australian Baseball League, Western Australia has a great history. So I know it's a crowded marketplace, but I feel as though the glory, all you need to do is win a few games and your opportunity is right there to start building a bit of momentum off the field as well. You were very nice in the way that you said that and very diplomatic too. You gave a lot of reasons why we don't do what we should do. Mm. Mm. Okay. We'll keep thinking about that one. And we'll keep asking all the right people why those things don't happen. And uh, we'll keep talking about it, though, Teo. That's <laughs> part of our job. Thank you for joining us today. I really do appreciate it. I uh, hope you have a fantastic weekend and full of football or whatever you need over there to keep the passion going. Thanks, Teo. Well, if I can quickly plug, this yep. afternoon on NPL.TV, you can catch me for the semi-final of the New South Wales NPL competition. It is Sydney Olympic versus Manly United. And then mm -hmm. tomorrow on 10 Play, live and free, you've got the Australia Cup in the afternoon. There's uh, Sydney United versus Western United. Yep. And then the game I'm on will be Peninsula Power against Green Gully. So catch them both. And thanks for having me on. Good lad. Thanks, Thank Taya. you. See ya. Teo Palazzeri. He never, ever forgets to give something a plug. Yeah, no, good. Good, good. on him. So that's, yep. that's the second round of the, uh, the Cup. Unfortunately, as West Australians, we're all out. The glory failed in the qualifying rounds and the two West Australian sides were out in the first round but the cup is still going and so second round there we had uh, midweek the first two games of the second round both saw an A-League side taking on a State League side uh, and both with the expected win to the A-League side MacArthur 4-0 over Modbury who in turn had taken care of Armadale and Sydney FC 2-1 over Bentley Greens Yep mm. What's your thoughts Pete on marquee players I'll, you know, a lot of what Tao said then makes sense, and I, I like the response he said from Melbourne Victory. Why do they need a yeah an yeah. Anani? Um, I I agree in that you sort of want a, a big name. Like, I mean, you, you want a big name player to draw the people in. Um, someone like a Diego Castro proved his worth, but you know, the first season he was with the Glory. Yeah, I didn't know who he was. I, I mean, you know, I had no idea. You know, I don't follow the Spanish. Uh, you're, first you're saying edition. the club could have created a little bit more pizzazz around it. Well, yeah, no, I'm saying that, that for, from the from the concept of a marquee player to me is someone like a Daniel Sturridge. You know, mm -hmm. assuming he actually played, because um, we had that first first game, we had seventeen thousand at the at the ground in expectation. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and obviously it all fell flat then. And I, and I understand the glory was taking a punt with him, and and for various reasons it didn't work. Um, I'm not really blaming anyone at the glory. I think it was worth rolling the dice on. But that so that's what I would expect from a marquee player, the kind of person that for your first home game you're pulling in yeah. a huge crowd and 
unlike with Sturridge, it then keeps going throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, fair call. We are going to go to a break and we're going to come back and chat more Perth Glory. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. Stay tuned. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. How's that for an intro for Matthew Stacey? Good morning, Matt. Morning. How are you guys? <laughs> Very well, thank you. Pretty good. You can be excited, Matt. Go on. <laughs> Were you excited well, after Perth Glory's match during the week? Yeah, very, very promising. Okay, what was promising? Is it going to entice people to sign up and become Perth Glory members this season? Yep, exciting football, even though there's still work to be done, but obviously early days, but all the new players that did play did their part and everyone seemed happy to be there. Okay, that's good. Yeah. A happy squad creates yeah. good work and hopefully creates goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously new players scoring goals as well. Yep. Okay. Such uh, as such as such as Aaron Williams, who I have got some sort of link to. How's that? I know my auntie is related to the Williams family. Okay. So when when I was a lot younger at family events, they were there. Okay. Um, mum, mum is Audrey Williams, right? Um, yes, Audrey. I played football with Audrey many, many years ago. Yeah. Long time before there was kids around. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Anyway, so uh, what was the result of the game, Matt? It was 4-1 to glory. Okay. Oh. Yeah, so, yeah. Considering it was our first hit out and our Perth football clubs um, well in their season, usually this game ends in a one-all draw when we play them. Okay. So, and we played three 30-minute parts rather than two 45-minutes. Oh, okay. So they did that. The reasoning for that was so they could change the formations with the team and um, with the subbing, do it better. And give more people time on the ball. Well, it, is, enough, a fr- yeah. it is a friendly, yeah, so yeah. yeah. It sounds yeah. a bit ice hockey ish playing in thirds, but 
Uh, who was in goals for the glory? I'm, I'm ready. Was the least for the least for the start. I don't. Uh, he could have been subbed off later in the game, but I'm pretty sure he played the whole game. Okay, and, and he looked good. Okay. We have Brad Jones in the squad, right? We do. Why? Yes. I assume he's still injured. Okay. I'm actually recovering still. Okay. Yeah. Damn, I really want to see him play. Like I, so, I'd like to see him step up and... If, well, I was going to say, if Reddy plays um, for the glory in a in a, a competitive match, a, a non-friendly, he'll actually take the title for the oldest player to have played for the glory because he's 41 now. Is he? Um, wow. Yeah, currently it's Ante Kovic, holds the record by literally by a few days over Reddy anyway. Okay. So, um, yeah, 41. Just, just hitting his straps. Yeah. Uh, and, and, we, and we have a Ruben Zakovic impersonator in the team. <laughs> <laughs> Do we? How's that? Yeah. Jack Kalisby has gone the full Ruben. Oh, really? Oh, really? So we're going to call him yeah. Q-Ball from now on. What's, yeah. what's the reason he's actually, done that? Don't know. Okay. But... He, if you're looking from a distance, you would think it's Ruben on the pitch. Oh, he's just trying to suck up to the boss there. Okay, it must be uh, yeah. less wind resistance for him to run or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the interesting news came most probably today about we're looking at getting a marquee player now. Okay. We are. It, um, apparently the name was... David Petrucci? Yes, from, oh. from the Israeli I don't, don't think there's... I don't know if the name's actually been announced yet. Oh, we've got, we've got the inside news. line. <laughs> yeah, but apparently he's better than Castro, the one player we're signing. Wow. This is from Sage messaging me after me finding out if the rumours are true. Okay. Yeah. Direct line. Yeah, and he's, yeah, he said it's um, better than Castro, but not a big, not a big name player. Just, okay. They're just using it as the marquee, so they don't have to pay as much. Okay. For so it goes outside the salary cap, oh, yeah, so we can yeah. actually afford, afford yeah. to have another international in the squad. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't know how that works, but um, if it's going to attract memberships and make the team work better, then we're all for it, aren't we, Matt? Yeah, as long as they're not injured. Yeah. But oh. honestly. I don't. The way we've been signing this season, we're not signing people who are injury prone. Andy Keogh has got that knowledge of signing the right people. Mm. Yeah, that's what we want to hear, right? We want yeah. to get players on the park who are contributing week after week. Yeah. 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 And what do you and think? The, and the people in who were there from the Glory staff, people who had left the club, are now popping back yeah, in the cool. club. Like like Mitch, and, Mitch Davray and so forth. Yeah, I, I'm talking about office staff and all that. Okay. People who left, like Joe, he was the guy who used to take all the banners and flags to the shed in for the active supporters on match days. He's now back at the club. He left to go to the Dockers and now he's back. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that means, but if they're coming back, then something's enticing them, Matt. What is it? Oh, I think it's that they want the, they know that we're going in the right direction. The new, new way we, new way we're going to be running, more like I think it's, they're running going to be more like running like a family and being there for the fans more okay. than that. Well, yeah. we've certainly got a little bit more stability 
uh, on the horizon with um, the fixtures being released. Ho- hopefully COVID management won't be anything like it was last year, so plan- uh, plans can be made for fans to do their shed tours and so forth, Matt. Yep. Um, and if you, if people want to know, want to come on the shed tour, I can't say where it is yet because we'll be announcing it at the shed AGM next week. And it is going to be our 20-year tour. Well, that's a pretty long time to be away for. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus, it's, what makes this one even special, we haven't done a tour for two years. Yep. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot so, of things kicking in after COVID, isn't there, Matt? Yeah. That, so when people, so if people are wanting to maybe come and just be. It's what a shed event is. It's not you don't pay to go into the shed. You pay to be part of the supporters group. Yep. How does and so how does it work when you go to a game and you want to get into the shed? Do you have to be a part of that supporters group before you can get there? It's a special No, you buy a shed membership. Okay. So you can't on the day say you want to go into the shed if you're at the game? Well, if you buy a shed ticket. But usually usually the shed shed sells out before. Yeah, that, that was actually one of my gripes when they bought in the shed ticket. Like I used to just get an ordinary membership. And on the day, if we chose to go in the shed, we'd line up and go in the shed. But nowadays, you need the shed ticket in advance. If you buy a shed yes. ticket, you can still go, oh, I'm just going to go sit in the grandstand. You don't have to go to the shed. Um, but, yeah, you need, you do need a specific ticket. I wonder how that's going to work with the relocation up to Joondalup. I don't, I'm not actually familiar with the layout of the Joondalup ground. Matt, are you? Yeah, not really because the government's actually organising the stadium for us because of the situation at the our stadium. Yeah. They're actually forking out the cost, so it yeah. all depends on what they fork out. What originally was planned is they would have a shed area, a shed section and temporary grandstands. But if that actually happens is another thing. Have you heard anything about where the glory are going to be going after June Lup? Is it just back to the HPF Stadium that will be nice, smicko and ready well, to go? Well, hopefully. But then again, who knows? I have heard we could have a potential third stadium, but I had didn't go into conversation because it wasn't the right time. But that was when I was sorting out my drum pass for this season. Mm-hmm. And saying they said potentially it could be three stadiums, so I don't know what they're talking about there. Well, I'd like a bit of uh, stability. I think that's you know what we need from this season. We need to know where games are going to be so people can make their plans. Yeah, my yeah. understanding was we got those four games in June up, and then we're just back to NIB. Yeah, um, yeah I would imagine they're just contingency plan stadium. Yeah. If 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 something not ready at the stadium, I would imagine yeah. a backup backup plan. Yeah. Where yeah. do the Glory train yeah. at the moment? Um, they mostly train at Fremantle Oval and then they do a, some other ground when the waffle team train. Okay. They yeah. play some, train somewhere else near, near Fremant- in Fremantle. But and and some Matt, groups. just from your point of view, Glory haven't really had a, well, they don't have a home place to be. They, they train here, they train it there, they play here, they play there. 
Why do you think we don't have a home? What, what's stopping? We, 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 do, we do have a home now. Fremantle, it's their glory shops there. They've got their own gym now, their own changing rooms, their own sort of kitchen areas and all that. And but, we don't, but we don't play there. Yeah, no, if we're getting kicked off for the waffle team, then it's not our home ground. Mm. Oh, yeah, but that, that's just for training sessions. They have to share the ground for training, but we, we, we are sort of the main attendants there at Fremantle Oval. Yeah. My, my idea of a home is that's where we think of Glory R. So they, yeah. you, you go there, you get merchandise there, you play there, they train there. It's just you know the recognised place to be. Is that not what you think of as a home, Matt? Mm, uh, I, this, this is more of a home than where we've ever been because of the training grounds right near the office. The training grounds have never been near the off- Glory offices in the past. Mm. So they're right, right there. Yeah. So everything's on the doorstep. Mm. And it's all and it's all new there for them as well. It was mm. they up Fremantle upgraded the facilities for us to be able to use the grounds, the offices and all that there. Okay. All okay. right. Well, what else do you need to share with us, Matt, that uh, is going to excite um, people about Perth Glory? Well, unconfirmed, but will be confirmed in the next, obviously, week or two. We'll be playing Sterling in Sterling in two weeks' time. Okay. Okay. I think that's something yeah. that's really important that in the pre-season, if Perth Glory would like to get fans and memberships, they need to tell everyone where they're playing. And well, That's actually a bit of a tricky one because, as, as um, Tom mentioned, Sterling are top three and they're sort of like right at the pointy end of the season. It's, it's in, impressive if they're squeezing in a friendly with the glory on top. I mean, obviously they can use that for training purposes, but I would have thought their focus would have been on the league could, right could now. A combination team, state team maybe? And Possibly. they'd have to pull players from those top teams, which would be the same problem, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Tough one. Yeah. Hmm. And, if it, and if anyone wants to join the shared social group, where they pay and they get a badge, and they can, if they have a shed um, joined us, they are entitled to come on tour with us. Because if you want to do tour, you have to be a shed GSC member, supporter group member, yep. and that will be at the Brass Monkey next weekend at twelve thirty next Saturday, the twentieth. Okay. How do cool. people find out about what's happening in the shed, Matt? Besides um, they, the, the Glory Shed supporters page, I will, I will send you a link and you can put, post it up if you would want. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see if yeah. Pete can locate it faster Don't, than what you Already think. done. Oh, yeah. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where we have all the information and we're hoping to make, be able to promote. Usually we've just done the men's games, but now we're looking at going more like the women's games as well. Yep. So we'll have more information now on our site about other, the other teams as well as the men. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, we're going to have a chat to Liz Anton from the Perth Glory next. Matt, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Enjoy your and weekend. Ne- oh. And next time I'll be able to announce where we're going. Uh, the, the tour or the glory <laughs> or... The, the, the tour. Okay. The tour. Radio. Excellent. Good on you, Matt. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye. See you. Matt.
Matt Stacey, number one Perth Glory fan, seems to have all the in information. I reckon the tour needs to go. I reckon I'm, I'm going to predict Wellington away. That's a guess. I've got no inside knowledge there, but I'm going to say Wellington away. Just for something big and special. Uh, where do they play? In Wellington, in the cake tin. That is a long way to go. Well, the team can do it and be a pretty special away trip. Wow. Yeah. Wellington Airport's full of Lord of the Rings stuff too. <laughs> so it's, the movies may have come and gone, but they haven't let go of it. That's so funny. Um, yeah, I went to New Zealand a few years ago for one of my football tours. That's right. And we went to the Hobbit, Hobbiton. It was the World, the World Masters yeah. in 2017? Yeah, that's yes, right. my wife was there. That's yeah. right, for baseball. Yes, softball. Yeah. Softball, yes. yep. And then I was over afterwards. I didn't go to watch anything. Yeah. Yes, Hobbiton was uh, fantastic. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of all that stuff, but um, yeah, my daughter Rose is young and yeah, she took me there and I'm like, this is actually pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. The ginger ale in the big par, uh, public ginger area. Ginger ale in yeah. the pub. Oh, <laughs> in my the great God, Penny. Replicant. You call yourself a football supporter. Okay, moving on. Okay, we're going <laughs> to chat more football with someone else. This is Penn and Pete. Stay with us. Back soon. <laughs> We aren't just the people who mow your lawn. We aren't just the people who paint your houses. We aren't just office workers or taxi drivers or even the family next door. Underneath it all, we are fans. No matter when, no matter where, we'll be there. to let your inner fan out. No guts, no glory. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at Oswest Fencing and Rotine is a fourth-generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. When I look back on my career, I don't want to be asking myself, what if? The time has come to show them our passion, our grit. Show them the meaning of high-energy football. Show them our great Aussie spirit, that we give it our all and never say die. 
The AFC Women's Asian Cup is here. It's time to show them who we are. Yeah, that was a bit of an older ad, but mm-hmm. we're moving into Asia. Our teams are doing well for Australia, and I absolutely need to trace some more and better audio. I mean, Someone out there, uh, please send me some links. I mean, we moved into Asia in 2006, so mm-hmm. it's, it's been enough time. Yeah, to create some better audio? Exactly. I agree. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's not my job. I don't sing no, no, dance, no, that's right? Fine, yeah. Except that's, when you said little... we're moving into Asia, I'm like, yeah. oh, that oh was yeah, a while sorry, back did, now. Yeah, yeah, I didn't mean that. <laughs> Far out. Liz, Liz Anton, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We're having a, just a little bit of a disagreement here. As my, usual. Yeah. Side of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's all friendly. Well, yeah, can't relate. We're still in Oceania, so. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, would you, that's true. Would you like New Zealand to join Asia if it if it was a, an option? Um, it's an interesting one because obviously it's a harder competition. So I think long term would be um, pretty good for like our growth. Um, but you know we would have to compete with the Aussies every time. So <laughs> there's only one. You know that's one more spot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think it would be good. But yeah. still happy with where where we are. Well, the argument is that if there's more opportunities, then yeah, building in more people underneath us, the foundation gets stronger by numbers and then yep. quality and so mm. forth. So, yeah, it's, it might yeah. be hard for the pioneers, Liz, but then <laughs> yeah, after exactly. that... <laughs> Maybe once I'm retired now. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll have done your bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just uh, by way of introduction to our listeners, give us a little bit of a, a Liz Anton rap. Yeah, well, so obviously I'm Kiwi. Um, I've been uh, playing for Perth for the last three seasons. Uh, oh, well, this will be my third season. Yep. The upcoming one. Um, but yeah, I play for the um, New Zealand national team. Uh, I study chemistry. I'm doing my postgraduate diploma in chemistry. Um, yeah, and I'm in Perth at the moment, so I've come over early for sort of a pre-pre-season. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at at, at the moment. That's very interesting. The more you speak, I do not hear the Kiwi yeah, no, thing I, in there. I, I was I'm like, the same thing. is she really from New Zealand? <laughs> I know. It starts like as soon as I get here, I feel like I start talking with the Aussie twang. <laughs> so I'm like, I need to stop. I need to stop. I need more Kiwis around me. And you go home again and they say, who are you? Yeah, and they're like, what? What mm. does you sound weird? <laughs> yeah. So you've come over to do a bit of extra work before the season, the pre season starts, yeah. which is. Fantastic. And how's that going for you? Yeah, it's going good. Um, so it's sort of a bit of a... Obviously, the league's a bit of an awkward um, time length. So it kind of in the off-season, it's sort of a bit harder to sort of plan for what you're doing. So, yeah, I decided to come over early um, and train with the academy boys, um, do some gym work, do some running with um, Adam, our S&C guy, um, so, yeah, that's sort of just where I'm at at the moment. But the um, boys' trainings have been really good so far. And I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah, it's nice to be back in Perth. Mm. Are you the only one? not as sunny as I'm used to. No, well, no, I know the last uh, month or so has been pretty crappy weather, really. Yeah. 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 But we've had three days on the trot. It's just back to normal now. It is winter. Yeah, I know. I'm, like, 
get get the summer back. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, not for a while yet. Sorry, Liz. Uh, you did forget yeah. a little rap, by the way, that's our Perth Glory MGP player, so Most Glorious Player Award. So well done for that. Um, Thank now, you. Now, I, I did note that you said you are the only one doing the training there. So where is everyone else at this time? We're, we've got 19 oh, players yeah. signed. So all the all sorry all the Perth based girls have been doing it as well, um, but there's only a, probably maybe five or six of us. Um, but they've obviously they're playing MPL, um, so they're playing in the local league as well. So they're doing a bit of a mixture. Um, but then sort of all the rest of the squad, you know, there quite a few um, have been playing over east this season. Um, so in Sydney or Melbourne. Um, there's a few in Iceland um, playing professionally there. So and then they'll come back um, in pre-season once they're done with um, their seasons there. Um, yeah, I think that's sort of where the basis of everyone sort of is at the moment. Are we um, talking sort of about players out. that have already had a connection or because if players come from afar, yep. one of the things I, I do get a bit concerned about is, um, and I'm very passionate about this too, is that um, mm. when the players come from lots of different places, they need that bed-in time where yeah. they you know, get the dynamic right and get familiar with each other, form the friendships, and then that relates on the park, of course. So, Yeah. Well, the two that are in Iceland, um, they were both here last year. So Susan and um, Sierra, who they've re-signed, um, so they already, you know, we already kind of, everyone has a good connection already. Um, quite a lot of the girls over east are sort of in the same teams and stuff, so it's good that they're still connected. And I think when we come back, like, we've got a whole pre-season, um, and I think we already have a pretty good bond, and I think you can probably see that um, watching us play. Um, you know, we've got a good team culture, um, mm. which I think is really important and sort of has been, like, a key factor in the last couple of seasons of us, you know, we've been throwing quite a few challenges with um, COVID restrictions and, you know, last yes. season we were based over in Sydney. So I think our connection has really kept us together and, you know, like every time we step on the field, we, we definitely play, you know, you can tell that we're playing for each other, we're playing for our staff, we put so much effort into our team. Um, so, yeah, I think you can definitely see that. And it's obviously, I agree with you, it's very important. Natasha Rigby, who plays in our local competition uh, here in Perth when she's not with mm-hmm. Perth Glory, is uh, her and yourself have very similar uh, philosophy, it sounds like, um, getting the connection, getting everyone playing mm. well. And, um, you know, it, it, that's good, right? I mean, she's the leader of the team. Mm. She has been for a few years. You've been in the squad for a few years now. We've had, we, ha- we have Alex as the, <clears throat> excuse me, the coach for, I think it's three years now. Yep, yep. Yeah, that well, kind of stability 13, yeah. that we're talking about is is what creates growth because people understand their roles and they can keep working on them. Um, when players move in and out, uh, it's very hard to develop those kind of relationships that you can rely on and you like and you can build on. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, having, you know, when we have those constants, that, yeah, season to season, it really helps um, having... You know, Tash is such a great leader. Um, Alex has been so great for, uh, I believe, you know, the club in general. He's, you know, put so much effort into our team. He's, you know, always thinking about, you know, planning ahead. Um, His communication is really good. And, you know, I think there's been a few, you know, it's going to be a good this season because we have quite a high retention rate. Um, 
So, like you say, we don't have to start from scratch with yes. building connections and building that sort of team culture. So I think that'll really help us this, this season, which is great. Hopefully something that we'll also see is that if you're back in Perth for home games and it's a normal mm. season, is that we'll see the team in the community in some way or at least into the media in some way that allows us yeah. to form a following and get memberships to go to games and just yeah, give support. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the last, I think probably last season I think we had one home game. Yeah. Um, mm. Which obviously makes it hard for... Um, us to connect with our community like we love you know we love when we see people coming out to our games it really makes a difference um so like like the home game we had last season even though we only had one it was you know it was amazing um you know the crowd got so into it we had a really good game came back from one nil down and one two one i think in the end um against brisbane and i think the crowd you know it really makes a difference when you get that support um and you have that sort of, you know, you're playing for, you know, you're playing for yourself, you're playing for your team, playing for members, fans. Um, I think it's really special, and I honestly can't wait to have a full season with home crowds. It's going to be so exciting. Um, I think the whole team's really looking forward to it, and just being based in Perth. I mean, it's a lovely place. Hopefully we can, you know, um, get into some events, like with schools or some, you know, teams, some, you know, young girls and boys, I think that would be really great. Get out in the community, especially with the World, you know, World Cup coming. I think getting some momentum for that and connection with that will be really great. Yeah, that's really important to connect with the community. How, you, you talked about schools and with Perth Glory as a club, in the past they've gone to schools and had a bit of a connect, but I feel that's been disconnected in the past couple mm. of years because of COVID interruptions, yeah. fixtures, yeah. injury management, all this kind of thing. It's been a big upheaval and for the players and the community alike it's just been frustrating yeah. so certainly yeah. like to see that back as a as a yeah, grounding mm. yeah i think that's really important and i think i think you know with covid restrictions now they're pretty like they've loosened up a lot and i think we'll be able to do a lot more of that stuff which will be great i think it's really rewarding when we can do those kinds of things um sort of you know um you know, inspiring the next generation, um, giving back to people who support us and follow us. Um, you know, I think that just sort of builds even more to play for when you step out onto the field. So yes. I think that'll be great. Now, before we let you go, we'll talk about international football and you have played for the Football Ferns. Mm-hmm. Uh, have at, you, at the Olympics. Have you played under Tom Samani? Uh, yes, yeah, so I was in the Olympic squad. I was a... Um, Travelling reserve, so I didn't get any game time. Mm. But, yeah, he was the coach um, then. He was great. Yeah. Great, great Tom. Yeah, he's, he's now um, coaching in the A-League women with, uh, I think it's Western Sydney? Western yeah, Sydney. Wanderers. Yeah. 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 yeah, so he comes on the show yeah. from time to time. He's, well, been talking with us for, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. I know we've been going mm. a, a while and he's he can talk. Whew, and he's always full <laughs> of interesting information. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, he is. He always has the tea. And he always has the tea in hand as well. <laughs> okay. But yeah, he's great. He's, um, yeah, he was really great. Um, he's a great coach, though. So. Yeah, I thank Tom for you know a lot of things. So yeah, how will you potentially looking to play for the your national team, which is New Zealand, and, and we hope that mm-hmm. 
you'll be identified and you'll be part of that squad and you'll be playing for New Zealand come the Women's World Cup, um, mm-hmm. albeit against the Matildas. Um, how will yeah. that kind of fit with a schedule? Like, talk us through how playing in the uh, Perth Glory squad will kind of flow into you m- potentially being part of a national squad and getting ready for a World Cup. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great, like great timing and great building. Um, obviously, the league goes from... Uh, well, we start pre in October and then ends around May this year with the extended um, round. Yep. So, you know, I think, you know, playing professionally and having that consistency, I think they'll be great for my lead-in. And obviously, there's quite a lot of Kiwis in the league this year. So, you know, it's good, um, you know, a good uh, platform to show you where I'm at compared to them. Um but yeah, I think it's going to be great preparation and I just have to control what I control and, I, you know, give it my best shot and trust myself that I can make it. And yeah, but mm. I'll be playing for, I'll be focusing on, you know, glory. Um, and that's sort of just like, that'll, you know, that'll naturally make my chances of selection higher by just focusing on that. So yep. yeah, that's what I'll be doing. Yeah, excellent. Liz, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Welcome back to Perth. I'm glad you're loving it here. And uh, Thank you. We hope that, that Perth Glory will be seen here a lot yep. and yes. we'll be out there cheering you on. We'll be out there. <laughs> Good one. Enjoy <laughs> your weekend. Thank you very much. You too. See Bye. ya. Bye. That was Liz Anton, a defender for Perth Glory. Yeah, tw- 24 appearances for the Glory mm. and two goals scored, both against Canberra United. So maybe that's um, that's the team that we want to watch her against in particular. See if she can get another one. Uh, I'd be looking for her to be playing as many games as possible. She's... I'm talking specifically goal yep. scoring, yeah. Yep, uh, yep. I'm, I'm just really looking forward to seeing Perth Glory here. Like just in my hometown, <laughs> uh, Perth. <laughs> yep. Any any Perth team, I'd be happy with that. I'd get my membership and actually see a game yeah. this time. The last time I got my membership, I was like, where's the games? I want to see the games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to pay for my membership and I want to see games, like here, not on TV. Okay, we'll go to a break and we'll come back and chat more football, of course. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. Play football is a great experience. There's nothing like that. Belonging to a team feels great. Your teammates is like your brothers. You have to do everything for them, and they have to do the same for you. It's a good way to stay fit and have a good time with your friends. I spend my life with soccer. There's nothing like this. I just love playing football. Have fun, make friends, and keep active. Play football.
Welcome back to the World Football Program, 107.9 FM. Pen and Pete in the studio with you for another half an hour-ish until yep. midday. And on the line, I guess, today is Kerry Harris, the chair of Women On Side. Good afternoon, Kerry. Uh, good morning in Perth, yeah. Penny and Pete. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's definitely always morning here till we finish the show, but, uh, yeah, about half the guests, it's afternoon. There you go. Thanks for joining us. Really do appreciate that. And just by way of introduction, we've known each other for a long time. And speaking of goalkeepers, Pete, Kerry was an awesome goalkeeper. Okay. Okay, I had this moment did, in did my mind. Did you play for Mum FC? No. Oh. No, West Australia. Yeah. Oh, well... So, so, Kerry, I had this moment in my mind of you goalkeeping. We played in a state team game. It was a one-on-one. The player was through. We were all beaten. I was a defender. We were all beaten. And they shot to the side. You dived across and saved us. And I was like, yes, that's our goalkeeper. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I, know that, um, I know that moment, Penny. And I call that my salmon's leap. <laughs> you <Yeah>. what? <laughs> and there's a famous, um, there's a famous um, UK... Um, goalkeeper who played for England and he made this amazing save. He sort of everyone thought it was gonna go in the bottom right hand corner and somehow he managed to flip it up and over the bar and they called it the salmon's leap. And I so that save you're talking about, that state team, um, that's my salmon's leap. Okay. Awesome. All right. No no probs. <laughs> 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 so moving on to women on site, tell us about the organization. In 2017, a group of women realised there wasn't a dedicated voice for women in football or women's football joining in or influencing the discussion during the Football Australia governance issues with FIFA. So then it was sort of around that time that Women On Side was formed informally. And what happened is that we successfully lobbied for the inclusion of the 40-40-20 rule into the FA Constitution. In addition to this, um, there was also the requirement for gender diversity in the chair and deputy chair roles. So if there's a male chair, there must be a female uh, deputy and mm-hmm. vice versa. Mm-hmm. So if you fast forward to 2022, we have five women on a nine-person board um, with Football Australia, with Carla Wilshire as the deputy chair. So women on side, um, we sort of became a legal entity in 2019 um, with a, you know, a voluntary board of directors. And we are a member-based organisation that advocates on behalf of women in football and women's football. Tell us some of the people that are involved with women on side besides yourself. So our deputy chair is um, Cheryl Downs and your listeners may be quite familiar with Cheryl. She's the editor-in-chief of Beyond 90 and, and the founder of Beyond 90. We have um, Maria Berry, again, a, a, a Victorian, you know, football legend, um, a former board member on Australian Women's Soccer Association. Yes. We have um, former Capital Football CEO and former Football Australia Director Heather Reid, AM. And um, we have a human rights lawyer and advocate, Kieran Pender. And we have uh, Fatima Flores, she's involved in fan engagement. Tanya Marino, who's involved in Soccer Mums, the Soccer Mums program in Victoria. And I'm likely to forget someone. Um, But, yeah, so we've got a really quality and diverse board. um, Who And I think what's important to remember, too, is it's a volunteer board as well. We willingly give our time um, for, for women on side. Was there any one trigger that said 
to someone amongst that group that we fist on table, we need to do something about this right now? crisis in 2017, um, there was no vocal voice for women in football and women's football. So, um, you know, I think that was a defining moment in Women on Sides history and we've evolved since then to become an organisation that focuses on policy development. We advocate, um, we continue our advocacy work in um, the 40-40-20 rule and what we'd like to see is that rule included in the governance structure at all levels of football. We run professional development programs and we also run networking groups for special interest groups. So we are evolving and maturing as an organisation, but it started with that, that, that governance crisis in 2017. Hmm. What's on the agenda right now? Right now we're looking at... Um, some, how we can connect our special interest groups. Um, we're looking at... One of the things that we're looking at is women-only clubs and mm. re-energising the, the committees of those, those clubs. Um, you know, I think we have a lot of women and really fantastic men as well who... Um, run community clubs on the smell of an oily rag, and you'd, you'd know that, you know, in and out, Penny. Mm. And what in talking with a lot of our members and, and a lot of the engagement that we do, a lot of um, community clubs are struggling with volunteers and keeping their committees going. So we're going to have a, um, I guess, a, a networking group with all of the women-only clubs around Australia so they're clubs like the Darabin Falcons, the Maribyrnong Swifts, we've got the Jaguars in um, South Australia and, you know, ANU in Canberra and get them together in a round table as a, almost like a support network to say you're not alone in the challenges that you face. Um, one of my other hats is I sit on the Board of Volunteering Australia and recent research has shown that there's been a 65% decline in volunteers in the sporting industry. Mm. And so what we're you know, in our sort of, you know, networking and um, bringing people together, that's what we're focusing on at the moment. And we're also really excited about the World Cup next year, obviously. I think everybody's excited about that. Yep. And we've been talking to Football Australia about um, some ideas around the legacy, uh, the, the leadership pillar for Legacy 23. So, because um, we're very much in the leadership space. Last year, we had our inaugural Women in Football Leadership Conference with over 130 participants at the conference and the theme of the conference was a focus on the future. You know, we've got the World Cup coming up in 23, we've got the Brisbane Olympics in um, 32 and so that was a fantastic uh, conference where we tackled some issues, you know, tackled six really important questions around male allies and investment and the governance structure and, um, you know, backlash when, when women take centre stage. Mm. So we got some, uh, uh, some really good, um, I guess, data and, and comments out of that. We're looking to run another conference um, and, you know, perhaps around that theme of investment because, you know, the different investment models in women's sport and, and women's football um, what do they look like and um, how can we fast-track investment in women's football? Mm. 
Uh, Kerry, question for you. You, you mentioned the 40-40-20 rule. I've got no idea what it, that is. Are you, could you just explain what that is? Sure, yes. Uh, yeah, and that's remiss of me. Thanks for the question, Pete. So <laughs> the 40-40-20 rule says um, in your governance structure, so on your board or your committee, um, you must have 40% men, 40% women, and then 20% other, you know, or either gender. Yep. So... Um, and what we're seeing in that space is that governments and policymakers are now starting to um, mandate that. So for instance, in Victoria, um, the Department of Sport and Rec says that if you don't have 40% gender representation on your board, your funding is at risk. Okay. So, yes, yes. So, thank you. Great question. <laughs> so, some people might say, what about merit? It's just about finding the best person for the job. I wholeheartedly agree with you, Penny, when um, if you're um, going to find the best person for the job. But th- this, this notion of merit is based on a system of um, getting merit within that system. And as we know, um, particularly in sport and in football, the system was designed by men for men. Um, I don't know if you remember um, your history, but in 1921, the FA in England banned women's football yep. in a knee-jerk reaction to its popularity. Now, let's unpack that a little. At the heart of the ban was a decision, rightly or wrongly, and in that case, clearly wrongly, the FA used their power to make a decision to ban women. And so the system banned women for, you know, I think that ban existed right up until the 70s. So, for, uh, you know, for such a long time, women couldn't even be a part of the system. So how can you get merit in a system that doesn't allow you to join it? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So is... Women on side about prompting the existing systems to lift their game a bit better or to provide another means of support to network and connect the community? I think it's both. We do have that. We have um, six pillars in our portfolio um, and of advocacy of our um, membership because we're a membership-based organisation. So um, we are very focused on our members and providing a voice and services to them. Um, we have networking, professional development. Um, you can't advocate without policy and research, so we have a policy and research pillar, as well as um, we also look internally around our own organisational sustainability. So we are out there advocating, um, and you know we we feel as though that we can we can say sometimes say the things that others can't. So it is about putting a spotlight on various issues, but we also provide support through our networking groups and through our professional development. So we have three main professional development programs. Um, one, The first one is our Women in Football Leadership Conference. We also run a Getting On Board Masterclass series, and that's about um, training women in the skills that they need and where to find the opportunities in finding board and committee positions. And then we back that up um, with an on-site mentoring program. So we mentor women um, in football, whether they're involved in a volunteer capacity or a working capacity, with a um, a six-month-long mentoring program. And, um, yeah, so... And then we also have our webinars and events. So recently we had um, a one-year-to-go to the World Cup um, webinar we had some you know great great people there uh joe fernandez who's the one of the competition um people at at the at the women's world cup we had over 70 people online join that webinar 
And then on our advocacy side, um, again, the Victorian government has a office for women in sport and recreation, and they've just recently released the Change Our Game Fair Access Policy. Now, we submitted a policy paper 12 months ago to the Office of Women in Sport and Recreation advocating for equal access, similar to the Title IX legislation that exists in the US college system. So we have a number of different, um, I guess, focuses. It is about providing services and support to our members and our special interest groups, but we also want to be that, you know, trusted voice um, in the football ecosystem for women's football and women in football. Hmm. How do people get in contact to help or assist or support or become a member? Fantastic question. Um, go to our website, womenonsite.com.au. Um, the, you can join up to receive our newsletter. We put out a monthly newsletter. Um, Women on Site is in a fortunate position. We do have a part-time employee, Laura Noble. has a fantastic job in member services and communication. So you can sign up to our newsletter and you can join us as a member for a small um, membership fee of $22 per year. So the best place to, to do is to head to our website, womenonside.com.au. Now, before I do let you go, you did mention about, you said the key thing that always gets my interest, women-only clubs. Now, were you talking about football-only clubs or are you talking about clubs that have that only cater for women's something or others? Yes. yes. So it is football clubs that cater only for women. Because um, you so know that in the whole of Australia, I'm thinking uh, soccer football clubs in the whole of Australia, Northern Redbacks have now become Perth Red Star, so yep. they've given up their women-only status, so to speak, here. But I think there's Baldivers have just um, stepped out of the area of joint club and now they're girls only. Oh, right. And there's one other club but on the other side of Australia, your way. Oh, yes. Look, there, um, there is a club literally at the end of my street called the uh, Maribyrnong-Swiss. They're a women-only Th- club. That's them, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the swiss they're an amazing club. And they, they, have a, um, they know exactly what kind of club they want to be. They want to be a community club and they want to be a diverse and, and equal club as well. So um, there's another women's-only club in Victoria, um, the Darabin Falcons. Mm. We know of the Jaguars in South Australia as well. They're a women's only club. And then you've got ANU, Australian National University Club in Canberra. Um, I think there's another club in Sydney called the Flying Bat. They're nice. women only as well. So, um, and, and now I've added another one to my list, Penny. Thank you, Baldivers. <laughs> it's my neck of the woods when I'm in WA. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll definitely reach out to them as well. Um, and to see if they would like to come along to this networking group. Great. Kerry, it's been fantastic catching up with you and thanks for sharing all that information about women on site. I I do think it's a fantastic idea and I hope that uh, we can help sometime in the future and have you back and you can kind of let us know how things are going. Oh, I would love to. We'll keep you in the loop, Penny, and um, thank you for the opportunity to be on the show. You're welcome. fantastic. Good on you. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Kerry. All right, you too. Cheers. Bye. Bye. That was Kerry Harris, Chair of Women On Side. And the link to Women On Side is on our Facebook group, so if you're interested in checking it out and Legend. seeing what they do, it's all up there. Yep. Uh, so we've got one more guest. 
on the line who's out gallivanting around Perth at the moment doing some sightseeing. Is he? He is because he's over from the UK just for a short while. Uh, looking out the window, I'm thinking he'd feel right at home uh, uh, from being from the UK because <laughs> it, it got very dark and, and it's just started drizzling now. Mm. <clears throat> yep. Um, Pete, what have we got left to cover? Look, we got. Uh, I was going to just run through a few results for you, and yep. feel free to cut me off and and whatnot. So yep, I think we'll it. start with the uh, the state league second division. Men's. Men's, yeah, men's. Uh, so uh, last weekend's results were a three nil win to Ashfield, Kingsley Westside, and Southwest Phoenix played out a four all draw. Joondalup City hosted Belga, Belga winning that one one nil away. Gosnell City had a four nil away win over Wanneroo City. Uh, Morley Windmills, 2-1 away win over Caramar Shamrock Rovers. And Curtin Uni, a 3-1 home win over Canning City. Games this afternoon are Wanneroo City against Caramar uh, Shamrock Rovers. Curtin Uni hosting Joondalup City. Belga away to Gosnells. Southwest Phoenix hosting Swan United. So a bit of a road trip there. Uh, Kingsley Westside at home against Morley Windmills. And Ashfield hosting Canning City over on the league title uh, league uh, ladder there. Gosnell City mm, sitting pretty now. Five points clear, top of the table, and with a game in hand. Uh, Shamrock Rovers second spot on 39 points and Swan United third on 29 points. At the bottom end of the table, Ashfield on 17, Canning City on 11, and then Southwest Phoenix, notwithstanding their draw, uh, in last place on six points. Okay, we're going to go to break and see if we can catch Ben. This is Ben and Pete on the World Football Programme. Fremantle 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. It's not who we're playing against, it's the points. These guys are coming to our country to play for the most important points being to the World Cup. This is it, we're at home. This is why we all play football. It definitely makes a difference when you see and you feel the passion from the fans and their noise and their support will carry us over the line. This is the world stage, and whatever happens on here is down to you. I'm not a boy with a ponytail. I'm not you when you were a kid. The stuff your high school coach said to you will really, really motivate me. Not. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. We're girls, and we play soccer. Girls need to be coached like girls. Miriam once said, coach me like a man, but treat me like a woman. Are you going to argue with me a ham? If you're going to teach me soccer, do it right, because there's a lot at stake. If I stick with sports, studies show that I'll get better grades in school. I'll get a better job after college. I'll have a lower risk of obesity that will last me my whole life. Coaching girls soccer is serious business. I'm more likely to get a serious concussion than any young athlete except boys who play tackle football. More than boys who play soccer. More than boys who play lacrosse. And more than boys who play ice hockey. 
In my teenage years, I'll be six times more likely to blow it in me than a boy my age playing the same sport. If I believe you care more about winning than you care about me, I could quit sports, and that could affect me for the rest of my life. Yeah. I love that ad. That just sums up everything. Soccer. Soccer. Right, sorry, I had to say yeah, it. I know. Okay, all right. You got Penn and Pete on the World Football Program 107.9 FM. Remember, if you don't catch all of the show, you can go to the worldfootballprogram.com.au and find our podcast there. Thanks to Nick Templeman. And at the moment, we've got Ben Gilby on the line. Good morning, Ben. Hi, how are you guys doing? Yeah, very loving well. that accent. So he's speaking about accents. We've yep. got the soccer and we've got the English accent. Ben, whereabouts in England are you from? Um, I'm from southwest London, so sort of about 20 minutes or so just outside the city. So pretty close, actually, where uh, Sam plays for Chelsea, I'm based. Okay. Very nice. So yeah. you, you're in the hub of football over there, really. So what's what do you support over there? You go to see a few Chelsea games, and what else happens in your football weekend? Um, well, normally I've, I see, I've got a season ticket at Chelsea Women's. I've got in their press box a few times as well. Um, men's, I watch AFC Wimbledon, who have... To a bit of a story attached to them, but yeah, it's, it's all about women's football for me. Out here in WA is is where it all started for me, actually, with women's football. Very, I'm very pleased mm. to hear that, and uh, I, I know that we kind of haven't turned the weather on for you today. <laughs> I don't know how long you've been here, but you did catch the three lovely days of weather. Did you get out and about and see some of our beautiful sights? Oh god, yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, it's the longest I've been away uh, since 2000. Um, you know, with the pandemic and everything. So yeah, I'm out for three weeks. So I'm about just over halfway through. Um, so yeah, I've had I've had everything. So it's been it's just been great to be back because I've missed this place so much. Good. And what football are you seeing while you're here? Um, well, I, went, I saw uh, NTC and Balcaster last week in the MPLW, and if the weather holds, we're going out to watch uh, Perth Soccer Club and Red Star this afternoon over That's Doring Garden. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful, and uh, I'm going to see the Mum FC match. I think it's at our stadium at 5 o'clock tonight. Is it not a double header for you guys? And uh, the women's... Oh, uh, yeah, 5 o'clock, and yep. then... Yep, 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 yep. So um, I'll be taking my jacket and my you know, warm woolies because when it gets to that time of night at Murdoch, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, it's, it's good to have you here. Ben, tell us a little bit about what you've seen in terms of football here and the world of football that you're immersed in over in England. Yeah, so I mean, I kind of got introduced to women's football over here oh, at least 12 years ago now. I mean, I've got family out at Leeming. Um, and it all kind of started, I was actually at a West Coast Eagles game at um, Subi a long time ago now. And there was this guy sat behind me and I said, oh, um, I hear Daniel's little sister's quite handy at soccer. <laughs> so obviously we all know who Daniel's little sister is now. Yeah. Um so, 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 so like that night, I went back to my family and had dinner with them. And I started saying, you know, what, what's all this about Daniel's little sister then? <laughs> and it kind of started from there. Yeah, and it, it literally started from there, like a conversation over dinner about, oh, I don't know, she, she must have been about 16 back then. Um, so, yeah, so it started with that name because she kind of come from not too far from where my family are based out here. Um, yeah, saw her play for um, the glory when she was about 16, 17 for the first time. So, yeah, it kind of started then a sort of, Followed the Matildas when she got called up for them, and um, you know the Asian Cup win in that monsoon all those years ago. Yes. Mm. Staying up late to watch that, so yeah, it kind of started with you know this sort of local kid who not too far from where my family based, following her, and, and it went from there. So kind of like my, I kind of feel now like I was I was born in the wrong country, if you know what I mean. My heart's <laughs> WA, but my heart's WA, but my sort of my accent is uh, South London. You yes, know? it is. 
Mm. Now, that all adds to the flavour, and we are talking world football, of course. So you are the creator of Impetus Football, which is a website that promotes and talks about women's football. So well done for that. Um, it does have a, complete, a pretty complete um, coverage of women's football. So if anyone wants to log online and have a look at Impetus uh, Football... There's it's already shared on our Facebook good. page. So Pete, you're you awesome. Thank, thank you for that. Uh, so, Ben, tell us uh, a little bit about what excites you about women's football, why women's football and not men's football or all football. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I was very much, you know, when you grow up in London, it's, it's all about football. It, that is the game. But kind of round about the turn of the century, sort of 98, 99, I kind of really got turned off men's football with all the... You know, there was a play acting and the money came mm. in and it just went, it just went ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I sort of turned away from men's football for quite a while. And it would obviously sort of seeing the game a bit out here every time I came out. It kind of, women's football felt a lot more to me like grassroots because everyone's included. There's no, you know, literally, literally everyone's included regardless of, you know, background, belief or anything like that. It's it's just this like inclusive nature. It, it's, it's very sort of family friendly. There's no sort of divide between the you know the players and the, the fans and the volunteers and all that. It's just a, a nice way to spend you know a weekend afternoon and then it, you know it grows from there and because you, you sort of love it, you get involved and wanted to to write about it and support it and sort of work with some of the clubs and that. Yeah, it just sort of just went from there really. Mm. Tell us a little bit about what you've seen in football here or what is the the women's NPL here, which is a new structure. This is the third year we've had the mm. NPL. Here, but the women's Super League in England has been going for a few years now, and we have some pretty amazing players from Australia playing there. Yeah, give us yeah. an idea, like put it in perspective for our listeners. So, I mean, obviously, because of the pandemic and everything, this is the first time I've been here when there has been an MPL out here, um, yes. women's MPL out here to watch. Um, so, I was sort of look, looking at the game I was at last weekend. I'd, I'd sort of say the MPL in WA is kind of equivalent to maybe tier four or tier five for the women's game in England. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously the difference being obviously in England, there is promotion and relegation. So you can go literally from tier eight, which is the lowest of the low, in theory, all the way up to the Super League, if you, you know, with just sort of the right wind and money behind you. Yep. Um, I mean, the thing that really interested me last weekend was the, the refereeing. An awful lot more gets let go out here than does in England. It, that was a real eye-opener. Even compared to when I last saw women's game out here, which would have been about four or five years ago, it seemed that there was a a lot more sort of blind eye turning to things, physical things going on on the pitch, which I found interesting, shall I'm, we say. I'm containing myself here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Whew. yeah. So what about uh, NPL.TV? Have you heard of that one, Ben? That's, that's my sort of go-to every Saturday morning. So, you know, that's that Saturday morning in England, so seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning. You know, the, the coffee's on and the, the, lap, the laptop's out watching it. So, Good yeah, no, no such no such thing as a lie-in on a Saturday morning after a day of after a week of teaching for me. Yeah, mm. that, that's what we want to hear, right? That this yeah. you know gets right out across the world and we have a global platform for our local football. Nice work. No, no yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love it. You, you know, you've, I think. And the WA women's football scene doesn't get anywhere near the, the promotion and the, the growth, you know, that it deserves out there. Because, you know, I, I'm ridiculously passionate about it, the, the football scene out here. Everyone back home thinks I'm nuts. You know, I'm just this random, 
just random nutter that goes on about women's football in Australia, particularly women's football in WA. But it's nice actually to be able to meet everyone out here I know and just talk about the game because everyone at home just doesn't get it at all. At all. Yep. Uh, so have you got a, a team here? Uh, you know that uh, if your family's close to Leeming, I'm in Bull Creek, by the way, so Mum FC, so Murdoch University, Melville, that, that's pretty surely, close. Surely Leeming Strikers would be the team to go for if you're from Leeming. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, so see, this is a, this is a problem because up until now, I'm, as a writer on the writing side of it, I've managed to keep it completely unbiased. secret and completely yep. unbiased. Yep. So now, obviously, I'm I'm going to come out now, and everyone's going to know, and it's going to be yeah, the daggers are going to be out, aren't they, every week now? Yeah. <laughs> no, we, I mean we won't tell many people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I'm kind of in terms of football. Sort of Dorian Garden has always been my football home in WA because a lot of the time I, I don't always necessarily stay with the family I've got to stay in the city so yeah I've headed out to Dorian Gardens quite a lot uh, obviously today will be the first time I've seen the, the women's team play in the flesh because there wasn't a um, Perth women's team back then last time I was here so yeah I'm a I guess shall we say a, a closet Perth soccer club they're, they're pretty they're pretty tidy I mean they're sitting second on the table at the moment with Red Stars having taken Red out Stars the NPL. Have, yeah, wrapped it up. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, the, yeah. the men's team are pretty tidy unit as well. They're sitting ninth in the men's NPL. So I don't know if you're going to catch any men's games while you're here, Ben. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm going to get down because the men are playing straight after the women. I think the men are playing at five today. Yeah. The, mm. uh, the women at three. So, yeah. Yeah, good. And that's what we like. That's happened more and more over the, the past couple of years is that we've tried to connect the teams and do double headers. Yeah. yeah. yeah so so more more yeah. of a club focus Absolutely. than a, just a team focus, shall we say. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. And uh, just on the wider football stage, the, the rankings for the FIFA at the moment um, put Australia, I think we're at number 14, and England uh, number four, USA one, mm. Germany two, Sweden three. In the um, recent uh, European Champions League, England won that final, which was... Yeah, the, the broadcast figures hit phenomenal heights for that, like the last Women's World Cup and no doubt the next Women's World Cup, which is... Are you coming yeah. back to Australia for that, Ben? I am. I'm certainly going to be in Perth for the group games. Whether I can afford to get over to the East Coast for the final stage is another matter. But yeah, I'll be in Perth uh, yeah. this time next year, definitely. Yeah, good one. This the, the phenomenon that is women's football seems to be growing crazily on social media and, and platforms, which is great. And hopefully that translates to opportunities money invested into the game and the quality of the game getting better. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, so what's, what's your go-to for women's football? What, what's, what's the competition or the team or what is it about women's football that you pluck out and say, look, this is my little part of women's football that I really like to keep an eye on? I mean, I think that the thing that draws me, I guess not so much necessarily as a writer but as a, as a fan of the women's game, is even at, you know, at the top level in England, the top players will give as much time as possible to to the to the fans and to the people around the ground. Yeah, the, yep. for example, I mean Chelsea, Chelsea women they will not leave the pitch for a good hour and a half after a match day in the WSL. You know, they they all there. You know, they'll grab the phones and do selfies of any fan that wants it. They'll sign stuff. They'll you know they'll talk to you about you know whatever's been going on during the week, whatever. And I think it's that's the thing for me that even though these are you know now sort of getting towards the household names, um, certainly in England, including, you know, including the, the Matildas that are playing out there. You know, but there's still the time there to, to connect and particularly to inspire the next generation. And, and that is the most important thing wherever you go. It's, you know, it's all about you, 
you know, someone once said, you can't, you can't be who you can't see. And, and now mm. these girls are starting to be able to see, do you know what, I can do that, and I can do that really well. I like that. You can't be what you can't see. Very yeah. good. So what about the uh, Euros? Did you get to some of the games in person? I got to the final, which was nice. unbelievable for, for all sorts of reasons. I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was one of those days where kind of everything sort of clicked and everything came right. I mean, I was lucky enough to be in the Lioness Media Conference on the Friday before the final, and so you could see any sort of any doubt that you might have of how they might perform on the day that so went for me then, because there was uh, Jill Scott was in there and George Stanway was in there, and you know. You couldn't quite get your head around the fact that these are players that are about to step out to play in one of the biggest games in world football because they were just so focused and so positive and so, you know, this is this is what's going to happen. This is our time. And yes, from that point onwards in that media conference, I thought, yeah, this is this is England, and it turned out that way the next day, um, sorry, the day after rather, um, in the final. And it was actually really emotional when the final whistle went because it wasn't just that you know England had, had won home tournament it was you could see that this was something far bigger than that because the game has just now got the, the potential to go astronomical in England mm. but I think the key the key for me will be in the WSL tendencies when the season kicks off in a couple of weeks time because there's kind of been full storms before and when the, the teams take their games to the the men's Premier League venues there's sort of been you know 23,000 30 40,000 crowds before but that isn't replicated with sort of sellouts at the smaller grounds at all. So, you know, Chelsea would rarely get more than... 3,000 would be a big crowd for Chelsea at Kings Meadow at their regular ground. So that's where I think we now need to see the translation from big regular crowds at the regular stadiums rather than, you know, getting five-figure crowds in for the special games. Hmm. I'm interested, does that closeness and familiarity from you being able to get to the players, say, after a WSL game, does that relate to an international fixture? So let's say when you went to watch one of the European Champions League games, would you have been mm. able to get that same kind of closeness to the players or would they have stayed back to sign autographs after those games? Yeah, it, it very much depended on the country um, because the different countries, I think, were still playing by different COVID rules, if you like. So I know, mm. I know Denmark were very good in terms of, um, spending time with fans after matches. I know Austria were very good. Um, England, not as not as much as they normally are. England are normally very, very good. But um, yeah, it, it was very, very COVID-secure in a way that it hasn't been in England during the, the previous WSL season. So it was, you know, back in the last WSL season, it was all your media conferences in person. And, you know, OK, you might have to wear a mask, but no sort of big deals other than that. But it was very much, you know, you couldn't go in anywhere near a Lionesses player unless you'd had a, you know, a lateral flow test. Yeah, gotcha. Fair enough. So, yeah, it was very, very different. Ben, it's been absolutely fantastic having a chat to you. Love the work you do with Impetus Football and the website there. We've got it up on our webpage, uh, Facebook page already. Thank you for joining us. I'm really appreciative that you could make the time amongst your busy touristy stuff. Thank you. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Any excuse to talk about women's football in WA? <laughs> any excuse, I tell you. Good lad. You did well. Enjoy and stay safe. Thank you. Thanks, Benny. You take care. Good on you. Bye, Ben. Bye now. That was Ben Gilby from Impetus Football. Done a fair amount of great work there. Yeah.
And and we've come to the end of the program. We have. And we've spent an hour talking about women's football. We have not. Roughly. Yeah, well, about we half had, the program. What do you mean? No, we well, I was just going to say, I can't believe we haven't even mentioned the fact that Sam Kerr's been nominated for the 2022 <laughs> Balloon, uh, Ballon d'Or de Feminine for the fourth consecutive time. I don't like the way you said that. Yeah, I know. It's no. like you trying to say my Practice last name, is Yeah, I know. It, it yeah, is. Know. Totally. Yeah. All right. Fine. All right. Yeah, that, that is true. When is the awards even on? Uh, I don't know, but she's up for nomination. Uh, it will be announced 17th of October. Okay. What about the men's side of things? I'm not going to say it again, so okay, fine. don't worry about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. Next week, the team is back again from 10 to 12. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Len is up next with Bags Groove.